0: I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today is a self-taught engineer currently working as a principal software engineer for Apple. With 20 years of experience in web development, she attributes her skills and success to being passionately curious. She has a deep affinity for gaming and is a published video game journalist. Her name is Cher. I'm super excited to be chatting with her today. It's about taking things that like are toxic inside
1: of you and like turning them into like, you know,
0: good soil. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, lessons from unconventional paths to tech. Cher, welcome to We Belong Here. Hi, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you again for chatting with me today. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? So my
1: journey actually started when I was in middle school, um, which was mm-hmm. in the 90s. <laughs> uh, sure. I, yeah, you know. my So my mom, um, she worked as an office administrator, but uh, for a construction company. And as part of her job, she had to learn computer networking, um, to run Mm. that portion of, um, the company as well. And so she ended up bringing home a lot of computer parts and I just became very interested in, um, how computers were put together and everything. And that kind of led Mm -hmm. to just this sort of curiosity about technology and how to build things and like how to make games and all of these different, I mean, you mean like things like alarm clocks, like anything to do with electronics, technology, anything like that, I was very interested in taking it apart and seeing how it worked. So I ended up doing that with HTML and um, Mm. taught myself HTML and then CSS and then JavaScript actually by reverse engineering Dreamweaver sites. And um, that's kind of where
0: I learned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so that was early on. That was like throughout schooling and that Mm kind of just self-taught kind of stuff. Yep,
1: middle school and high school. Um, And I actually had like a really kind of rough- childhood i moved every year and so i didn't have a lot of friends and my parents were not in the military so that is not why we were moving but i went down um sort of i started to go down towards the i would say like a bad path for myself i tried really hard to like hold on but i didn't have any friends at school and so Mm -hmm. i started doing this program called running start which in the state of washington um is the program where you go to college uh, when you're in high school instead of going to high school classes. And so I thought that if I did that, yep. that I would be able to like get out of, you know, the sort of like life situation mm-hmm. that I was born into. Right.
0: It was kind of a ticket. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of because I was really smart. Like, I mean, I was like super into biotech. Like I did biotech expos when I was in high school. I did job shadowing for several like companies, like biotech companies in the Seattle area when I was growing up. I got to work on the human genome project. (laughs) So like there was a lot of cool stuff that you just think like, oh, this girl has so much potential to like become something and do something with her life. But Even just like taking college classes, like instead of high school classes, it just wasn't enough. And so I ended up dropping out anyway. And, you know, I started using more drugs because I'd already started using drugs and drinking a lot and just generally like not invested in myself. I was more invested in escaping the reality of my life. And a lot of my hardships came from, I was heavily sexually objectified from the time I was really young. I developed really early and went by the time I was 16. I mean, I just, I was really tall. And so I looked like an adult and I got treated like an adult, but I was not an adult, you know? And when I dropped out of high school, I actually moved to Arizona with some of my friends who had gone to ASU. And I was like, okay, like I really don't want this life story like I want to like use my mind and like do something with my life and like be better than where I came from so I actually enrolled myself in high school when I got to Arizona and a lot of people like don't really know that I I like tell people like even my friends I don't know that but my first day there this boy in my calculus class he asked me if I would tutor him And he didn't want a math tutor. And when I got to his house, he like offered me some drugs and I took them. And then obviously, you know, he went for what he wanted. And I just like gave up at that point. And I dropped out of that high school too, because I was like, this is all I am. Like, I can't. I can't be anything but this. So I had a time there until I ran out of money and my car broke down. And so I ended up going back home. And then that's when I started to uh, get into sex work
0: Mm. at that point. So you were back in Washington and looking essentially to escape still. Mm -hmm. So I got like super heavy further into drug use at that point. Mm.
1: And that's when I started stripping and doing like cam stuff. And I met this guy online who lived in mm. St. Louis and I was like, okay, like, and he was just a friend, you know? And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to not live with my mom. I'm going to try to like get over this, this stuff, you know? Sure. And at this point, like I had already been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but I, I still thought like, I'm fine. Mm. I can do this. I'm smart. Like I can, I can overcome this. And so like, I had this plan to like come to Missouri, get my GED and get into college. And like, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to study yet. I wanted to study mm-hmm. astronomy, architecture, like, you know, I had like a lot of interests. And so um, that, but that was my plan. I was going to come move in with my yeah. friend, I thought, and then I'm going to go to the college that he's yeah. going to, which is Southern Illinois, uh, Southern University of <laughs> University of Southern Illinois, I, SIUE, whatever. Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. There yeah, we go. Sure.
0: But it was somewhere not in what you know, it was away, yeah, away from was, my
1: parents. Yeah, got is, it. Is kind of like what, you know, and away from the people that I was around. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I change geography, change my story. And it was a really cheap exactly. one way flight on Southwest Airlines with like $29. <laughs> and I was like, one of like four people on the flight. It was a red eye. And I just remember that like red eyes back then were like actually like empty. And like now, if you take a red eye, it's like totally packed. Like, And it's just as much as the other flights. It's so crazy how much things like that have changed. So um, when I got to Missouri, basically the same thing happened Mm -hmm. again. (laughs) Um, (sighs) The friend, you know, he wanted more and he took what he wanted and I just got like super depressed. Mm -hmm. So I started waiting tables and stripping again and again, back with the drugs because, you know, like (laughs) I felt like no matter where I went, like that was my Mm -hmm. story, you know, that I was that's what I was there for. I was there to serve mm-hmm. a man's sexual desires. That's, that was my purpose. So at that point, point, um, and this was like in 2005, I got a message on MySpace after I had been featured on. So one of the strip clubs I worked at was Hustler Club and they have like, you know, they're pretty famous and pretty big presence. And they had a MySpace page and they would like feature like different dancers on their page. And I got featured on there. So this guy reached out to me and he said that he was a producer for porn. And Ah. I mean, at this point, my, my mental state is like that I'm never going to, you know, be a scientist or an architect or, you know, anything. And at that point, like, well, if I'm just going to be used for sex anyway, like, why Mm -hmm. shouldn't I get paid for it? Mm -hmm. And so I agreed to go out to New York to meet with this production company to talk about doing porn. But when I got there, it was like, you know, they flew me out and we were driving, like we, you know, drove through like downtown New York, everything was really nice. And then we started getting into, you know, you see like the building start to like, become like warehouses and like you know like mm-hmm. broken glass you know like there's like boarded up windows and stuff like that and instantly I re- realized that I had done something really wrong like that I was in a bad situation yeah and we got there and I I mean I was like you know 18 years old like how, I didn't know how to deal with what was happening at all and the guy the producer he made me Like make like a fake like identity story, like come up with like a story, a fake name, like all this stuff and like tell this on camera. And then, you know, they went forward with it, what they wanted to do. And it honestly, up until like two years ago, I never told anybody about it because the things that happened to me were so horrific that I could not even like admit to myself that those things had happened to me. But obviously I I managed to escape and somebody helped me get a flight back to St. Louis. And that is when I I got back. Mm. I had been back for like, I think like a week and a half. And that's when I tried to end my own life because I... I mean, what do you do after that, you know, but of course I, my roommate found me and they called 911 and I ended up spending, you know, six weeks in a mental institution, sort of like overcoming, recovering from that situation. And after that, I don't, I wouldn't say that like all of a sudden, like I had like this change of heart or anything because I was still using drugs and I was still stripping, but I, I guess I erased that experience from my mind. And so I was able to at least like keep, keep living, you know, and not continue to try to end my life over and over Mm -hmm. again. But it was around that time. Mm -hmm. So that happened in March and in June, no, in May. So two months later, I met my daughter's dad and that's when I ended up getting pregnant. And when I got pregnant, obviously I stopped stripping and I stopped using drugs and I stopped drinking. And I was like, I don't know what mm. I need to do, but I something needs to change. And after, I mean, to tell you everything that happened when I was pregnant would be way too long It'd take its whole own podcast. But after my daughter's dad kicked me out for the final time when I was eight months pregnant, I went back to my mom's house and I was like, I need to do something. Like I have to figure something out and I ended up getting a job. I applied for this job on Craigslist. I was looking for a front-end developer. And somehow during this time, I was just doing like live journal <laughs> layouts and just like random like stuff here and there mm. for different, like, like I, I did like a, a project for a library, a public library. And so I ended up being the second Google result for, um front-end developer in 2006, which is like pretty, pretty crazy, you know, stop. Yeah. And I, it was not Pre-blast. on purpose, you know, it was yeah. just a completely happenstance, but I ended up getting the attention because of that from this director of technology at this, um, real estate development company, um, called luxury right. real Estate.com. And that is actually where I got my first job. And I did not tell them I was pregnant. <laughs> I was just like, For I course, need health yeah. insurance. And I, a salary, because I'm literally about to have a child and I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) like in any way, shape or form. Um, So that's kind of
0: how it started. (laughs) Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, what an incredible thing to find that role, though, in that moment. And then that time. I I always tell people like all of the time when they're like, how did you get to where you are? I'm
1: like, I mean, some combination of privilege and luck, like I don't know how else to describe it.
0: <laughs> I and mean, you're yeah, I mean, thinking back to that time, we're really like, yeah, just take a chance on me like that. I'm I'm a front end engineer and, you know, I can do what you need. And they believed me. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor and build community together. Everyone is welcome and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. The link to join is bit.ly slash webelongdiscord. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash webelongdiscord. D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at Lolo Coding. I'm super excited to see you there. So, okay, so then on to after that did you stay there for a long time
1: I stayed there for a year but in Seattle I really wasn't making enough money to live so I ended up I was like okay I was able to find you know stuff for free uh doing contracting work you know maybe people would pay me for this So I
0: moved into
1: Eastern Washington, which cut my rent in about half. Eastern Washington, it's just like more rural area. So it was obviously I couldn't commute to Seattle because it was about three hours away from where my mom lived and where I was working previously. But I actually Mm -hmm. did find somebody who had previously worked at the same Mm -hmm. company was looking for a contractor. And so I ended up doing some work with him or his his new company that he founded, working on some of the sites that had moved off of the old platform that I was on onto the new one. So I got to work on like the redesigns and the redevelopment of sites that I had built (laughs) at the previous place, which was kind of cool. Amazing. unfortunately around that same time I so I had a lot of clients. So it started off really good and I had a lot of clients and then there were a few who for some reason I got the uh, the idea that they thought that I was a designer and that I had an engineer that I was working with because when I would tell them that I was doing the engineering as well some of them would like stop responding or they would like just pay me ah. for the design work that I had done and then just disappear. So all of a sudden, like my pay was like not regular anymore. And I realized like, oh my gosh. I needed people to think that like I was the designer or, you know, the face of some company. So I made an LLC, which was I called, um, I had moved back to St. Louis Got at this it. point, which is again, more story that doesn't need to be told. It's related sure. to my daughter's dad, basically. I moved back to St. Got Louis. It. And so I started this LLC, St. Louis web design. And I just spoke mm. as the designer and the client-facing person. And I never said who was doing the engineering. But the way that my clients no spoke way. to me, they always assumed that it was a man. But it worked, you know? Like, people – I stopped having clients disappear wow. and everything. But also at that same time, there was that really bad time in, like, the economy. So that was, what, like, 2011 or so? To 2010, 2011. So I had a lot of clients who also, like, you know, because mm-hmm. I would do it on net tar- – net 30 terms and then I would just not get checks and it's like okay well at that point now do I tell them like hey I'm a single mom and I've been doing this all by myself I desperately need you to pay me I don't have you know an employer who's like fronting me (laughs) you know a paycheck and so I started waiting tables again right and things got extremely stressful and the guy that I was seeing at the time he was a drug dealer and I had had an ectopic pregnancy and um, at the hospital, they had given me this drug mm-hmm. called Dilaudid, which is very chemically similar to heroin. And when I asked the guy that I was seeing about this drug, Dilaudid, okay. if he could get it, he told me that he could not get that, but that he also dealt heroin because he I knew he dealt cocaine because he was giving it to me. And it's scary because like, I had put in my mind for like many years that – There was a period of time where my ex had moved for a job and I followed him a few months later um, with my daughter. And I had put it, I mean, literally implanted this idea in my head that my daughter was with him and that I was at the previous place by myself with his car. That's actually Mm -hmm. not what happened at all. After working Mm -hmm. most, you know, a few, the past like uh, six months or so in therapy and stuff, like we kind of like uncovered that like I was having these memories that like weren't like, I had this story in my head that had one set of memories, and then I was having, like, bad memories pop up that, like, didn't make sense. Like, there was conflicting information. So, like, working through those, like, bad memories, like, coming up, being like, wow, you're, my brain is, like, so powerful that it told me this lie that I needed to survive and, like, move forward with my life. When in actuality, like, it was way worse than what I had originally remembered yeah. wow but, shout out to therapy holy shit I know right like but also shout out to our brains for doing such a good job of protecting hoping, us hoping you know, like, yeah I like if I had known like all of the things that I had mm-hmm. like done and like the danger that I'd put myself and my mm-hmm. daughter in like all of this time like I don't know that I would be where I am
0: mm-hmm. right
1: now you know or didn't even to like deal with that stuff in therapy so many years later you know definitely yeah But again, here, here was this, you know, this intersection of what I, you know, I think privilege and luck and where I was about to get evicted, I, you know, was using drugs, and I desperately needed like Mm -hmm. a real job, you know, because waiting tables was not enough, um, you know, as a single mom, and my ex was not helping me at all. And just like I I knew like once again I was like something has to change like because I cannot survive this way I cannot raise a child this way I don't I don't want this to be my life and I was contacted by a recruiter at Gannett who owns USA Today And they were like, we're very interested like in your background. And I had been kind of like focusing on. So I was like in some tech communities during this time, um, the Ruby on Rails tech communities and but then also the budding like mobile web and like I had like very, very strong feelings about like mobile web because I, you know, I couldn't afford. Um, unlimited data. And so how websites on the, Hmm. on the mobile web loaded was really extremely important to me because I literally couldn't use them if they didn't take into consideration, like that not everybody has, you know, top of the line equipment or unlimited data. And so I became a very vocal part of that community and that's how they ended up finding me. They were working on building a mobile specific website for Hmm not only for USA Today, but also um, Gannett at the time owned like 120 other newspapers and they all had their own, you know, platforms as well. And they all wanted mobile websites. So mm-hmm. it was like, they were trying to build one platform that could run all of these things, but do it really, really fast. And like, it's the news, like everybody yep. needs to have access to it. And so coming out for an interview for this position that was very, you know, mobile web right. centric. I, you know, didn't really have any real experience with that, you know, but I, I went in there. I thought that I totally bombed the interview and sure. all the night before, like at the hotel, like I had never stayed in a real hotel before. So I didn't know you needed a credit mm-hmm. card, which of course I did not have. And they wanted a $50 deposit. I had like $11 to my name and I was like, I don't have it. I was like, this is supposed to be paid for. They're like, it is, but you need it for incidental. So they went in up to the room and took out everything out of the mini bar so that I wouldn't steal anything. And I was like standing there just like crying. Like, please let me stay in your hotel. I desperately need this job. And I'm literally just walking next oh door tomorrow God morning God. and then I'll be gone. I, swear. And I was like, I just need a place to shower and change, please. I and
0: just so, need to do the interview.
1: Uh, on the <laughs> drive back. I mean, I, I bombed this interview. Like it was so bad. Oh. I I had never whiteboarded before. I had never done any of that stuff. I'm like, I don't know what any right. of this means. Yeah. Like I just make things and I right. make them work. Really right well,
0: and, and my my portfolio oh, is beautiful and whatever you know what have you but still ugh, that's such a gatekeeping moment mm-hmm. oh my but god
1: I like I didn't know any of like the programming concepts nothing yeah you the know? vernacular
0: because any of it oh my god none of, no, it. None of course of it. No,
1: yeah I had never I had never been a part of that world really <sighs> and um sure. they called me when I was driving back in the shuttle to the airport and I was just sobbing you know because I was like my life is over like you know my daughter like what's is she gonna go live with her dad he's like not even doesn't even help mm. like what's gonna happen to us you know and they called me and told me that they mm. wanted to offer me the job <laughs> and I was like oh my- what <laughs> <laughs> you know like what do you mean I just horrible when um the manager Abby you know, bless him. He was just Mm -hmm. like, you know, he's like, here's the thing. He's like, you were so honest. He's like about, things you didn't know. He's like, you didn't try to tell us you knew stuff you didn't know. He's like, but the things that you knew, he's like, those are the things that you taught us. Like you were talking about mobile web. Like you're an expert. He's like, and not because you wanted us to believe you were, he's like, but because it's something you care about that you've done the time to like, understand like what, users of you know these lower end devices and things like actually need in order to use the web he's like and that's what we need he's like we can teach you everything else he's like you don't have to know that stuff he's like but it's very clear that one you're willing to learn and two you're passionate about you know this particular thing and that is exactly what we need and I feel like over and over in my career even from the very first job that I got I always like was honest that I, I like if you ask me a question of some concept I don't know I'm going to tell you I don't know right. you know I'm not going to like try to c- somebody that I know something that I don't know and I think that over and over again it's been that
0: mm-hmm.
1: intersection of like honesty and also like really yeah. knowing the thing that they're looking for like being mm-hmm. you know they contacted me for a reason you know and I have that thing Mm -hmm. but here's all this other stuff you want. I don't have that, but like, I've shown you that I'm
0: honest and then I'll learn it. Right. I think it's cool to be able to just to let go of your ego in that moment too. And that probably was wildly refreshing to them, you know, just comparing to who else they were interviewing. I'm sure it was like, Oh, oh, and I, and I think on top of that too,
1: I think that part of interviewing and I I tell this to like uh, my mentees all of the time Mm -hmm. is that like, part of interviewing is building a rapport with the people who are interviewing you. Absolutely. And if you are dishonest, like you're automatically, you're cut, you're shutting them off and you're not going to be able to build that connection to where they think like, I want to work with this person mm-hmm. or this person would be a good fit for my team. Yes. There are some cultures that are super toxic and the team fit is like how much alcohol you drink or if you play ping pong or like whatever. <laughs> but for the most part, that culture yeah, yeah, yeah. Fit, quote unquote comes from, that ability that you have to like converse and like have a conversation and work with the people that are interviewing you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Being able to demonstrate what it will be like to be a part of the team is so crucial in those moments when you're kind of like being asked to make first impressions or just to simulate like what this would be like to have me on the team and what I would bring to the table. Yeah. I think that's really an important thing to think about in those moments. So what? So in that moment, did you did you move out to Virginia? Isn't that where USA Today is based? Yeah, I moved to Virginia with my daughter, and I was out there um, for just about years.
1: Wow, what a like big next step. I mean, that even though my career started like years before that, yeah, of course, that was like that was my quote unquote big break, right? Because one, I was getting paid, you know, more than double what I had been getting paid at the first job that I took, and I was getting paid more than what my contracted hourly was, you know, that I was doing before that. And obviously, I didn't have to wait tables anymore. So I mean, I was still in a rough position financially that I'm actually still crawling out of from, you know, everything before that. But it was really like, at that Mm -hmm. point where it's like, this is that was like, almost like the start of my real, quote, unquote, career, you know, because that's where like, people know what that company is. And now people know who I am, you know, in in that area. And like, that's like the jumping point to like, millions mm-hmm. of people are using the thing that i am working on like that is it's key in like getting a you know basically whatever job right. you want after that
0: yeah. yeah it's like the foot in the door that then allows you to uh, that's your resume it's what you speak on it's what you're able to then talk about in the next interview and you don't have to kind of acknowledge the other things or you know whatever other gatekeeping things people want to throw your way like where's the cs degree or what have you and it looks like you cr- were promoted or even were hired as a senior developer? So I did get promoted. Um, So I was
1: hired. as. So the team that I was on when I got hired only had, I think, four people at the time, which was like a PM, a designer, an Android engineer, an iOS engineer, and then me. And then we had a manager, you know, but that was our team at the time. And I think my title was front-end mobile web developer something silly Um, but we ended up reorganizing and that's when well our team grew over that year but then after that we reorganized and that's when I got um promoted to um
0: right and so then after that I'm sure yeah I don't know I just think then you're kind of like not to use it and we were working
1: like my team was working on such interesting stuff like we we Mm -hmm. built like a Samsung TV application that's why it was like I think my title was like web and emerging platforms or something like that because oh, we worked on okay um I ended up working <laughs> on like it, it was uh you know like the 3d <laughs> goggles and stuff oh yeah the, oh, uh, sure I mean that yeah uh, the yeah, we did all kinds of VR that's what it was so um and that was sort of like my brainchild was like the VR stories which of course ended up not at all being you know what my vision was because I was like we can rebuild empathy into the news by with VR experiences experience so, you know, like a, my vision was like okay a tornado has gone through you know some rural town in the midwest and nobody cares well maybe if they walked through it and saw this yes. houses like literally Ooh. you know Whole town decimated, people losing everything. That they would like actually like have empathy, um but instead, the last time I checked, like it was there was like one that was like a walk through Italy or something, and I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, that's like that's fascinating. Not and what I, I had I think... in mind, but that's cool. But I mean, still cool that I got to work on
0: that in like such For like sure. a,
1: a time when those things were like,
0: you oh, know, yeah, not emerging
1: technology. Yeah. It was like new, you know. And I think that that's well. Really
0: cool that then makes sense for your you, the next thing you did was in video game world and so that kind of you know i see the connection there between the two i mean that concept itself is very like i can very much picture a dystopian novel completely set around that like what if we could make the news immersive like what if we i don't know there's just very much something to that idea and it's terrifying but also fascinating uh, but okay so so then you then you went on to like be a, a video game um development like kind of switch technologies then Mm -hmm. so interestingly enough uh video games were like
1: another addiction (laughs) technically because when i wasn't using drugs i was Mm -hmm. using video games to escape Mm -hmm. um and that started at a super super young age you know because like you know my my mom and my stepdad would be like screaming at each other or whatever. And yeah. I would just be like, all right, Legends of Zelda.
0: <laughs> <on a> <laughs> You're like, in another am, world. Like,
1: world. Yeah. quest And Damn. Um, of so video games have always been like a really big part of, um, I guess like my yeah. self soothing therapy, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, out of the ones that I had, it was certainly the healthiest of all of them.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, sure.
1: But yeah. So when I applied for the, I had been trying to get a job at Blizzard, for years like I had (laughs) interviewed multiple times um, and then I just ended up getting in touch with the group technical manager who had they were building out a new team and I met her in person and I was Mm. like I like I was like I have so many ideas for like you know different things in esports and everything and I ended up um obviously I got hired I got the job (laughs) but I also did so much while I was there even though I was only there for a year I moved out to California, but I couldn't take my, it wasn't easy to take my daughter um, at that point because her grandparents and I were not seeing eye to eye. And I don't know, I didn't know the rights that I had and nobody told me, so I- Yeah, I mean, yeah, how to navigate those things. Um, Which actually, I feel like now maybe wasn't such a bad thing because I was working so many hours because I was so, like, almost too passionate about the work that Mm -hmm. I was doing. and had too many ideas, you know, that it seemed like, (laughs) There was no separation between work and home because, like, I would go home and, like, I would just be, like, thinking of, like, you know, things to make. And, like, I just – I like that part about myself. However, like, Mm -hmm. I do want, like, my friends and family to be, like – that to be, like, the main part of my life. I want my job to be, like, I'm good at it and I have a lot of ideas and I have passion for it. But I don't want it to be what I'm living my life for. And so I think that if Mm I still worked at Blizzard, like my relationships would all be really unhealthy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So then it seems like you then kind of went on to be a front end developer, software engineer at kind of different spots in Washington, greater Seattle area.
1: So I, I actually moved, I moved from California back to here, but I was still doing contracting work with that company. That I had originally started contracting with back when I, I was see. 21. Yeah, <laughs> so we're still friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, I ended wow. up work for him um, because the job that I took when I moved back here was very like I I need to move back and like deal with this custody situation immediately. And so I I took the first job that paid enough, basically, but it ended up being a really toxic work mm-hmm. environment. Um, for me, very much like, I mean, it's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that one of my colleagues, she had been there for like 15 years or something and never been promoted past senior.
0: Huh. Yeah.
1: Which, well, like, a, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. You know, and it was like, that was kind of like the way that it mm-hmm. was there. And I am, I'm just, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I am not quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very loud when I see injustice happening. And I felt like this, this place was like very backwards and, you know, growing up on the West coast, like I just wasn't having it, you know, I couldn't come to terms with it, but, um, basically ended up coming to an agreement that I was not going to work there anymore. And had to find some contract work for a few months, and then I had been reached out to by David Brunel at Starbucks um, a couple of times, and I just told him I was like, I can't, I can't move to Seattle. Like I have to deal with this custody stuff with my daughter. Like here in Missouri, I can't leave I, unless I could, if I could take her with her, I, with me. I would go. I was like, but I can't mm. um, while all of this stuff is going on, and I don't really know how it's going to turn out. And so um, I was their first hired remote employee. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did have somebody else who was remote at the time, but he had previously mm-hmm. worked in the office and then went remote. And then I was a technical lead as well, but that was pretty good for a while. But the, I just wasn't getting the pay that I needed. And, um, because Starbucks, you know, they're in every state already, mm-hmm. you know, they already had a system in place so that, um, the pay was adjusted for geo, for your geography. But the way that they calculate it's not good. Uh, (laughs) Um, And so my cost of living because of property taxes is almost as high (laughs) as it is in the cost of living in Seattle. Um, So really, I should have been making about the same. Um, And I made a case and my my bosses made a case, including David Brunel, like everybody that could fight for it, fought for it. But they were like, we're not. This is how our system is. We're not changing it. And so I left out of principle. Um. For that, I mean, also I needed the money, you know. So I took right. a job with Webflow, sure. um, which I was really excited about because, you know, they're building platforms, and I was going to get to do, you know, going to get to work on stuff that I hadn't really gotten to work on before, yeah. um, in terms of like compiling and design systems and things of that nature. But then along came an apple, <laughs> 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 you know, and um, so it's really interesting because. There was um, a Twitter thing that was going around with people posting like their salaries, not just their current salary, but their progression of salary. And I had posted mine and people were so shocked at the fact that like they were making more money than me. And I had been, you know, working in the industry for as long as I had been. And they're like, wow, you've literally always been underpaid. And I was like, yeah, because that's that's what happens when you start out making half of what you know your peers are making like it's really hard to overcome that and I didn't know until recently you know that I was underpaid because in
0: my mind I was like well I'm making way more than I was making before (laughs) (laughs) Right. When you're comparing it to particular, yeah, other paths that you were taking. Exactly. So it's like, God. And so that, yeah, the power of like talking about it though, and then like sharing that knowledge with one another is so important. So at that point, I started getting a lot
1: of DMs of people being like, come work with us. We will pay you X amount. Like, you'll get paid fairly. You'll finally be making what you're supposed to be making. I had a lot of, you know, people being like mm-hmm. this is how you negotiate. Like, this is what you need to say. They're like, if they bring, ask you how much you got paid before, they're like, you need to tell them that like, they're not allowed to ask you that question. And right. you, just, you just have to keep saying, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what right. I want. So I got a ton of free coaching mm-hmm. on how to get paid fairly. Um, <laughs> one of the folks who reached out was, um, uh, her name is Devin. And uh, she was like, "I want to find you a job at Apple." And I was like, "Well, I was like, I have to work remotely. I was like, my I have a custody agreement with my daughter's dad. Like, if one of us moves, we could just give up custody." And I was like, "And I'm not willing to do that, you know, especially because my yeah, daughter doesn't want to live with him. <laughs> I'm not just going to leave her, yeah, you know." And um, she was like, "I will find you something." Well, I just continue going on about my business, you know, at Webflow, working, 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 and four months later. <laughs> I get a message, um, or, a, a, an email from, um, my now, you know, manager saying that he's interested mm. in talking to me. And I was just like, I was like, Oh, I was like, Devin, this guy reached out. I was like, did you tell him I have to work remote? And she's like, Oh, it's a distributed team. And I was like, what? <laughs> was like, really? Yes. She's like, yeah, it's one of the only ones, you know, in engineering, um, uh, that's completely distributed. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up again, interviewing, feeling like I, failed terribly (laughs) Mm -hmm. at you know like the technical questions and stuff because even now you know like I know so much more than I did you know 100% but still those interviews like I'm like a deer in headlights where I'm like uh but you know I I guess yeah I mean it was the same kind of thing where like you're really honest about things you didn't know And then the stuff that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, I did know, they said that I taught them things, you know, and again, like there's that key—the thing that that they were looking for from me is the thing I gave them. And then the extra stuff they wanted, I was honest that I didn't know it, but they could see that, you know, it didn't matter.
0: You want to learn it. Yeah. And again, the luck, the luck of finding a completely distributed team
1: on Apple, but now, you know, I'm getting paid fairly. Um, and not only fairly, but like, you know, well above a lot of my peers and the the end of my poverty debt is is like you know instead of being like well that's never gonna be gone I feel like there's like a
0: yeah there's an
1: end to that's it insane. and I have calculated it and I mm-hmm. still can't wrap my mind around it because like my whole family is like really like poor like because they're all farmers you know like they don't make a lot mm-hmm. of money like most of them struggle paycheck to paycheck and yeah. I just I st- I can't see it but I know that it's there <laughs>
0: No, I think that that's really uh, empowering too, to feel like, okay, I, I, I have like used the power of community too, to understand my worth and what I'm doing for this company and and the skills that I'm bringing for them and doing every day in this role. And hell yeah, I'm going to be paid appropriately now. And that just feels, yeah, it's awesome. That's, that's it. That's my whole story. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the whole story but <laughs> yeah that's it i mean <laughs> no but i no i appreciate you sharing it and your vulnerability and honesty and yeah it's just empowering and awesome and you're badass and i just yeah it, it is it's really cool to hear about like how you got from a to z or maybe let's call it like a to because there's still so much more left, you know, beyond yeah. and to totally. you know, to achieve and to pursue and learn, uh, and yeah, I think that that's really cool. I mean, I I wonder, like, do you see life skills or like the things that you learned in those other kind of like roles and parts of your life, like helping you, or I don't know, in your role today as like as a principal software developer, you know, like does that impact? you know, decisions you make or how you see the problems that you're working to solve at Apple. I think that one thing that in general is overlooked
1: when, you know, you, I mean, I know that this is changing, but I still think that overwhelmingly there's like a, oh, okay, well, you need a CS degree, you know, to do this work at this level, even though it's not, it's no longer you need a CS CS degree to do any engineering. Now it's, well, at a certain level, which I have surpassed and I don't have a CS degree, you know. Uh, but right. I think that what right. people underestimate is the, the grit, you know, because I had to navigate mm-hmm. a lot of really difficult life situations to survive. And I think that because of that, along with my genuine interest in how things work, like I now like see things as such like a large picture that I'm able to like, see the, the paths to get from point A to point B to put things together, to make them work. But then also mm-hmm. having the resolve to, you know, for me, cause it's always been like, you know, life decisions, like big, huge, like it, it matters. Like, cause yeah. it makes such a yeah. huge difference that that's kind of the way that I tackle everything, you know, is that I'm going to figure out how to do this thing. And like, I'm going to do it. Like my life depends on it because that's how I do everything. And I think that most people who come Mm -hmm. from, you know, more difficult backgrounds, um, whether they be single parents or, you know, they've had like Mm -hmm. drug problems or like whatever it is, if they've had to navigate life in a Mm -hmm. way that is like, not, okay, I want this. Here it is. Like, it's more like, how do I survive that you bring those same skills Mm -hmm. that you've learned to survive into your work. And as a result, like I can learn to do anything. I can Mm -hmm. figure out anything. And then on top of that, like, I'm going to ask for help, but I'm going to know, like, who to go to to get that help, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not going to be helpless. I'm not going to be flailing in my insecurity of of not being able to do something. I'm going to fight to figure it out, and then I'm going to move forward with it. And I think, yeah, if you can demonstrate that to a hiring manager, you're everyone's dream. Like, Of course they're going to. Totally. And, And you know what's interesting is I actually think that, like, (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe this is far-fetched, but I think like, you know, we have people in our industry who come from like sales mm-hmm. and, you know, they're really good at building rapport sure. or selling themselves, you know, or selling an idea. And even though I didn't work in sales, um, I think that from stripping, <laughs> um, and learning how to deal with men, mm-hmm. which is, you know, most deep in our industry That's and like, I actually think that I learned how to talk myself into things (laughs) um, from doing sex work, you know, and um, not in, you know, obviously not in exactly the same light, but in terms of like understanding that like, okay, I need this thing and I know I need to get it from this person and I have to build a relationship with this person and I need this person to want me to be the
0: one to give them this thing. Does that make right. sense? <laughs> uh, it, absolutely. It does. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's Yeah, it's really well put. I think that that is <laughs> taking advantage of like life lessons that were thrown your way and now utilizing them to move forward in the world. And that's like, in my world, like mine, that's freaking brilliant and awesome. Because like, like, I don't know, I just think there's something about like manipulating the fucking awful system to our benefit in a way so that we can like climb it and mm-hmm. a, and get for and, you know, provide a lo- great life for your daughter. Like that's so important. And I don't know, I applaud you for spending it and like figuring out how to make it work for you. And also doing the self-work, it sounds like you just like, holy shit, have like overcome a lot of things. And I'm just so happy to know you. And so i um, happy to be sharing your story because you're incredibly inspiring. And like, I don't, I don't want to sound trite when I say that either. Because like, I mean it really wholeheartedly. It's so, it's so hard to like. No, I was, I was going to say like, things, how are you about receiving compliments? It's, it's weird because- like, you know, cause that's just like <laughs> no, it's my like- life. And I think for a long
1: time, I think for like a long time, like it, mm-hmm. even though I know that a lot of the things that I've been through are not mm-hmm. normal or typical. And you know, when I, I think that for a long time when I would mention sort of out of pocket, mm-hmm. some of the things that right. I had been through, people would genuinely like be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I'm like, Oh, this is one of those things. That's Mm -hmm. not normal. That Mm -hmm. shocks people. And I need to learn how to like temper, like what I'm going to tell people. And also I need therapy to learn that like this stuff was like, not okay. (laughs) You know, that happened. Um, But I I did want to say that really quick is like one of the breakthroughs I've recently had in therapy was about how I, um, so there's this exercise that I do Mm -hmm. with my therapist, which is like taking bad things that happened Mm -hmm. in the past and connecting them to positive things about myself now. And it's not about, I think that some people can view that exercise as being like, oh, it's a good thing. I had trauma or I wouldn't be the person that I am today, but Mm -hmm. that's not what it's about. It's about taking things that like are toxic inside of you. And like, turning them into like, you know, good Mm -hmm. soil, you know, like you're, you're picking out the toxins. Like I can't take away any of the things that happened Mm -hmm. to me, but I can change like what is planted in them and what that becomes of my future and who I am right now and like how I Mm -hmm. see myself. And so that's like kind of like one of those exercises. So one of the things that we identified is that I have like a very like innocent vulnerability about me. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from like how honest I am with people, Mm -hmm. but then also, you know, that's just a part of like who I am as a person. Like when people see me, they see that, like that vulnerability and like, that's part of who I am. But in the past, that's been something that, you know, men took advantage of. And that was like over and over again, it's like, I hate this vulnerable part of who I am because. That's the thing that that hurts right. me, you know, right. and but looking at my career, that's the thing that got me to where I am yeah. is like being super honest saying I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, people feel like they can trust me because of that vulnerability, you know? And so if I say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to, they believe me. Mm -hmm. And I have stayed away from men up until I, um, rekindled with my childhood romance and got married, but like I had to separate because (laughs) even when I was going, you know, coming up in this career path, I was still being victimized by men. And Mm -hmm. I did not know how to be a strong person And also a person who is being targeted by men constantly, you know? And so I had to cut out having like, I mean, like male friends, like everything, just like had no contact with men at all. And now I have built up this like way about myself. I'm like, okay, I can still be vulnerable, but I also need to have boundaries and not just in relationships, but also at work. And so I learned how to build them. At work in my career, and now I'm applying those skills to my other
0: relationships, and I can have friendships with yeah. men again. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's it's important work, uh, and I think that that is incredible advice or like a, an exercise to work through through therapy, but also yeah, just in life in general to like reimagine and also I like the imagery of good soil and like how to plant good things now moving forward and. Yeah. That's really, really powerful. Do you have any advice that you maybe could share for those who are looking to transition into tech? I would, I mean, honestly, I feel like
1: I just have the same advice for like everybody. And Mm -hmm. that is like, get therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, like, even if it's not, you know, like you're going and getting a therapist, having somebody to talk to, to be like, Mm-hmm. real and honest and like maybe that's writing, you know, writing down stuff that you've been through. Like everybody has different, you know, different yeah. past and it's just like figuring out like who you are and what your strengths are and like not necessarily turning your weaknesses into strengths, but like knowing what they are and being mm-hmm. honest about them so that when you you know, you come into this career like you won know maybe what direction you want to go to, but also like you're ready to like learn because this career is like constant, constant learning. Like everything is always changing. And when you go, you know, from, I mean, I've worked at a lot of different places and on a lot of different technologies and the technology has sometimes changed in the organization I'm working in, Mm -hmm. but then it's also, you know, I've worked on a plethora of very different things in this industry. And The biggest thing you could do is just like, you know, be prepared to like humble yourself. And I think that the first like step in humbling yourself is like taking a look at yourself and like recognizing like, you know, how can I be the best version of myself or the people around me? And then I'm going to be a really good team member and I'm going to excel.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Okay, sure. So make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? I would like listeners to check out an organization called The Last Mile.
1: They are an organization that teaches inmates how to code so that they are less likely to reoffend and can build a life, you know, when they get out of um, prison. I think that Organizations like The Last Mile are incredibly important because most of the crime or most inmates, rather, that are in prison or people who are, you know, actively committing crimes and wanted by law enforcement, the reason they're re offenders, a lot of them started out, you know, when they were teenagers offending. And it's almost always from a necessity um, where it starts. And then there's it's really hard to get out of that life and so by funding programs that give inmates a path forward and a you know what feels like is a future you're helping to you know to cut down on that that reoffense rate and you know give give folks hope and a path forward and you know become really you know have good lives and become a good part of society oh yeah no, that
0: was great <laughs> i will include a link to it in the show notes thank you for shouting them out uh, and then where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at share.dev and share the dev on Twitter. Very cute. I love it. Um, okay. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Share, and for sharing your advice, your wisdom, your vulnerability, your authentic self, uh, and beyond. But I, I, I couldn't appreciate you more. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.